It's a great time to get a great deal on a new car when you get approved for an auto loan from PenFed. Our powered by true car rates are as low as 1.39% APR on new vehicles. Finance for a longer term to lower your monthly bill, plus take up to 60 days to schedule your first payment. Join PenFed, and together, we'll keep you moving forward. Anyone can apply. Visit PenFed.org auto or call 1-800-247-5626. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. The N-OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve, too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Everybody and welcome. We are live, Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast, USSF Presidential Election. Armand is in Dallas. I'm up here in Madison. We also got our assistant producer in Minnesota, and then here in studio with me is Ethan Jenks. He does the Devil Devil's Advocate Podcast. You can find that on the Badger Podcast Network. He's helping me out behind the scenes. So a big shout out to Ethan again for helping us out here on the live stream. Armand. Holy crap, a lot has happened in a span of 12 hours. Honestly, I hate the U.S. soccer presidential election right now because as soon as we post our podcast, our Twitter just blows up with, oh, potential coalition, oh, no potential coalition. What's going on? We don't know. This, that, this, that. And then we wake up, more news, more potential backroom deals. It's just been a back-and-forth mess, and... We're about to see the conclusion of this coming up, so here we go. I love it. I love the chaos. Jake, you there? What's going on, you guys? (laughs) Uh, You were scrambling here last second, weren't you? (laughs) Trying to track down some earbuds. I was running all over my house. I tore the place apart, so. There you go. Uh, (laughs) Jake, what are are your thoughts here with with what's going on the last 12 hours? Uh, This election... Is a it, it, it's a bleep show for uh, lack of a better uh, term. Um, I, it's crazy. You really can't make any sense of what's going on, especially what's developed here in the last eight to twelve hours with the the uh, change candidates. You know, uh, with you know these backdoor or backroom deals, and then someone backs out, or then oh no, we're every, everything's fine, and then nope, now two more candidates are backing out, so. It's uh, it's like every every time you check Twitter, it's like something new happened. I agree, Armand. You know what? I, I I just can't believe that we sat through a huge episode with Jeff Carlisle and Paul Kennedy, and then the news drops literally minutes after we finished the recording. And the funny thing is, we were talking about it last night, me, you, and Jake, and the consensus came uh, seemed to be it was a whole lot of nothing, but it was still a big deal. 
turns out there's still no still looks like no deal has been reached yet and then there's boiling points and it seems like it's a power struggle for who wants to be president of u.s soccer i mean i think that's where we're at right now you think i'm right steven yeah, no, absolutely. But let's talk about the news last night and what it really means. You want you want to discuss in detail, Armand, the, I guess the letter, the document that was tweeted out and then what happened this morning? Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, I mean, shortly after we were done recording, a tweet was uh, tweeted out by Stephen Goff, and he basically said that the, others, the six non-establishment candidates, which consists of Martino, Winograd, Gans, Hope Solo, Winalda, and I'm missing one. I just can't get the name. Um, Caligari? Yeah, Caligari had formed together to make a coalition. And they released a letter. And you read the letter, and it doesn't. And it's not like any of them are combining. It's just saying, a vote for one of us, a vote for anyone for change. And you're like, okay, this really doesn't amount to anything. Later this morning, we hear Paul Caligari never participated in the meeting. Mm-hmm. So... Looks like it's not a coalition of six, it's five. And then we hear some of the details from a, a Grant Wall piece that basically say that uh, that the, some of the candidates were pissed off that uh, Gans had let in Goff take a picture of that. And basically it's just turned into a mess. I, I don't think – I honestly did not think a deal would be reached even. I think – the candidates' egos are just going to get in the way of each well, other. Talk about the breaking news that we kind of, or, or what our source said this afternoon with what happened in kind of the fallout. Yeah, so I mean, we did hear from a source that Michael Winograd and Steve Gans uh, got into a disagreement about this potential coalition, and it kind of, it kind of fell apart from there. Um, I know you heard some news as well, Stephen. Uh, yeah, what well, was it? I mean. We had, A, you had Steve Gantz and Michael Wingrad, what you just said, and then the athletic, uh, what's the association? Now it's dropping. Athletic Council? The Athletic Council is not in agreement. There is disagreement. They're actually probably meeting right now and talking about some sort of, who are they going to support? And because they're split right now, which is really interesting because the first couple of rounds of voting could be chaos and you could see, as we talked about last night, somebody dropping out. Jake, what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, it's yeah, it's really interesting. Like uh, like your your source alluded to earlier this afternoon, um, it, it definitely seems like there's this uh, there's this push towards you know pu- pushing back against the establishment. In, in this case, Kathy Carter, uh, Carlos Cordero, and 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 the MLS. Um, so uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how the the athlete council kind of shapes this selection uh, moving forward. That's uh, I, I, you it's know, gonna it, decide the the election, right? And I, to, I I don't know about you guys, but doesn't that seem a little ridiculous that individual like, like they're gonna eventually? It, it sounds like historically they always vote as like a block, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, isn't that it, to me? It's it's a little weird that you have this conglomerate i guess for lack of a better term of athletes and they all basically it's like a group think thing where they have to all vote for one candidate they all just can't well, like a jury. Know, yeah it's like why why can't each individual person in that council vote for who they want why does why it almost seems like it's taboo that they kind of go their own way 
You know, I, I'm beginning to wonder if there's a little... I, I don't want to go into the rabbit hole, but can one of the... What I, oh, here's the other interesting point that I wanted to get to. Sources told me that Eric Winalda and Kyle Martino are not on the same page whatsoever. There is a big disagreement. And everybody thought, they, why doesn't one support the other? And we're going to have um, Paul LaPointe talk about this. He obviously has his uh, support thrown... Uh, has thrown his support behind Eric Molnalda. We're going to get his take and wonder why that hasn't happened. But that's that's big because if not one of them don't support the other, that's pretty much lost election. You pretty much handed it to either Kathy Carter or Carlos Guadero. No, I, 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 absolutely. I, I think you're right. And I think we're getting to this point to where the the six anti uh, six quote unquote anti establishment candidates are more and more just the more and more realizing that they might not have enough if they if they're all separate. I mean, it you when you have more candidates in the field, your your the votes are going to spread out. I mean, I yeah. honestly think they have to combine in order to pre- prevent prevent it from happening or force it to a third runoff, mm-hmm, which absolutely. is which potentially can happen. Jake, you got the final word. Yeah, I, I, we, we talked about this last night. I mean, in, in my opinion, I feel like if any of these change candidates, uh, if any one of them wants to have a shot, it's going to basically require the other five of them to, to drop out. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my opinion, I, I feel like I feel like Martino has the best shot. Just kind of reading the reports uh, as they kind of progressed over the last yep. couple of days, I feel like Martino has the best shot of those six candidates. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that... If Winalda were to drop out and throw his, you know, basically endorse Martino, I feel like that would that would go a long way in getting some of these other candidates to kind of follow suit. Absolutely. Well, up next is Charles Bohm. Joining the show right now, live 
is Charles Boehm. He's actually live from Orlando. Charles, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Winding down after a, a, a long and eventful and interesting day uh, under the dome here at the at the AGM Hotel. Now, Charles, what is the feeling like in Orlando the night before the election? Because, I mean, we were doing a show back and forth, and I mean, I feel like it might be pretty hectic over there. Got to be hectic. It was a bustling kind of day. I mean, and and things start bright and early. So the the board of directors meeting cranked up at eight a.m. sharp uh, this morning, and the uh, the national council meeting where everything's going to go down tomorrow cranked up at eight a.m. Uh, bright and early. And uh, uh, it's a little quiet right now because the the most of the delegates uh, are on, uh, like on an offsite, like they're having like a social event. Um, forget if it's at Disney World or Sea World or whichever, but so. It's, it's quiet here at the moment, um, but then a few hundred soccer people are going to filter back in uh, in a little while. Then there's, I know there's at least one candidate is hosting a late night kind of uh, reception tonight, mm-hmm. uh, and then they, they may be other sort of less formal, uh, you know, gatherings. And I'm sure there'll be lots of uh, schmoozing and chatting and, uh, and gossiping. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, but yeah, definitely eventful, interesting, and stuff happening both out in public and behind the scenes. So what the hell happened last night? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Uh, I have a, I have a feeling you could ask uh, half a dozen different people uh, involved in the situation and maybe get get three to six different answers on that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I, I thought I was a fool because I was staying up late uh, here in the atrium uh, working uh, and and talking to some people. As it turns out. Uh, I went to bed at, I think it was almost 3 o'clock in the morning, and it turns out there were people oh. staying up even later than I was. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, don't, uh, look, I'm not going to try and uh, uh, put together any kind of authoritative timeline uh, of what went down, but uh, definitely we know this, this so-called gang of six, uh, the, 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 the six candidates who consider themselves to be change-oriented, um, who have really more so formed in opposition to the two front runners right now, which, which are Carlos Cordero and, and Kathy Carter. Um, the other six feel like, um, you know, none of them want to see either of those two candidates who they view as establishment candidates, uh, get elected. And so there was negotiations last night and there were continued negotiations today for them to try and come together with some sort of unity platform or statement or strategy. Um, Unfortunately, that that unity business didn't uh, turn out to be very united. Uh, yeah. As of now, there's been nothing formal. Uh, nothing nothing seems to have come of it. Uh, I was told that by one candidate that, uh, but one of those candidates that 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 it was one other candidate that was holding the process back. Uh, I, again, I, the the general perception is that it was one Alda, but I don't. I, I think it would be unfair to say that. I don't have authoritative reason to 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 be sure that it was him. Um, and honestly, there's some strong personalities here. There's retired players, there's television personalities, they're, they're right, right. type A go-getter mm-hmm. winner type. So, so who knows really what really went down? It's, it's, a, it's a chaotic election and, and there's chaotic personalities involved. So we can say. Charles, in terms of the potential coalition's plan, I mean, I went through and read that letter and it just, it didn't seem like there. It just seemed like, oh yeah, if you vote for one of us, you're voting for change, and it didn't seem like any like anything that would sway the election as much. I mean, was there more to it, or 
was I reading that right? It just it just seemed like they're all like yeah, let's support each other or something like that. Well, it's hard, right? When you if your only uniting characteristic is that you right. don't want to see someone else get elected, that's not there's there's only so much you can really build there. Uh, and so I mm-hmm. think that's that's the problem here. There's a lot of other things that they don't agree on. Uh, so and and again, these are personality issues as well. I think they're that these are it's hard to uh, campaign, you know, spend a lot of time, effort, money, um, soul, you know, put your, put your, your whole being into this race. Uh, and then at the last moment decide to, to pull yourself out. Right. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. um, no, nobody wants to give up center stage if they feel like they have a reasonable chance to win. Now, if, you know, it's a little disappointing, I guess, um, if you wanted one of those six people to win, you kind of disappointing probably to look and see that 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 few to none of them are ready to step aside to let someone else uh you know go at it and 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 lend your support to them it's still possible that that could happen because this election could possibly run over multiple ballots um and if that's the case then there could be all sorts of horse trading that that unfolds so so that that there still could be alliances and, and everybody's really paying close attention to the athlete council right now because they're the perceived kingmakers. They hold 20% of the vote. And uh, they're the smallest group that has the most weight in terms of actual numbers of people you can influence. Mm-hmm. And they're in a similar situation, I think, where um, they met for three and a half hours today. They walked out, said there's no consensus, so they're going to meet again tonight, an unscheduled meeting. And uh, my question is, why, what, why do you need consensus? Well, consensus, to me, is an indirect way of saying they want to vote as a block, which they have done in the past, or at least some people in that room want to multiply the, the power of their votes uh, by casting them all for one candidate. And if they did, they would they could quite likely decide who wins. But again, it's hard to get people to to sublime themselves sort of or sublimate themselves into into a, a, a group uh, decision that way. Why would one vote for one of the underdogs and not for one of the favorites? That's a great, I mean, that's a great question. Um, everybody wants to be on a winning team, right? But there, there's right. some significant uh, ideological distinctions here. And, and it's really, it's not even so much uh, the platforms aren't ne- necessarily dramatically different. It's almost like I've been, I keep coming back to this term of tribalism. There's a tribal mentality here where the perception is that Cordero and Carter are insiders. Mm-hmm. They, are, they, are, they are part of the problem. They're part of the, the ruling tribe rather than part of the solution as, as much as Cordero, I think has tried to paint himself as both an outsider and an insider. Um, the, the other six really feel like, um, they've got to keep those two from one of those two, you know, from either of those two should say from winning. Uh, and so what it comes down to, I mean, most people I've talked to feel like there's three candidates that as of now have a realistic chance to win. It's Carter, Cordero and Kyle Martino. Oh, really? So, if you look at it in, in horse race terms, I mean, Martino seems to have, um, and I don't even, I wouldn't even say that he, he's well ahead of the other five, but he seems to be the one that can uh, connect with the most demographics across mm-hmm. the, the voting mm-hmm. electorate mm-hmm. and has the fewest enemies, <laughs> you know? So for example, <laughs> um, I, I was, I was told that, uh, that one of the sticking points in the gang of six conversations was that some wanted to have an agreement that, they would all commit to, to throwing their support behind whoever got the whoever of them got the most votes on the first ballot. 
you have to remember the biggest fear for them is if Carter, Carter's the, I think the only one that has a real chance of winning on the first ballot, meaning she gets more than 50% of the votes on the first vote. If that's the case, it's over. Now, yeah. if that doesn't happen, if no one gets to a majority, then we get into the horse trading and that does not benefit Carter because there'll be people that are second guessing her as a candidate because she just hasn't been as strong a candidate despite her strong, you know, base of, of support from the professional sector. So, um, so some people want to, you know, and I think that at least again, I, I can't say this is completely true. I, I can't account for this. But the, the, the perception is that Eric Winalda, um, is the most likely to get the most votes of the six, uh, sort of change candidates. And mm. it appears that he and his people would think that, 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 that should qualify them to be the one that everybody unites behind. Right. Uh, but the, the more, uh, I guess the, the deeper political, a strategy is not necessarily to pick that person who has the biggest plurality of votes, but who's the most likely to get to 51. Um, and there's a perception that Eric, because of the, um, because of the sort of confrontational nature of his campaign mm-hmm. has a harder time getting to 50 plus one than, than Martino does who stands for a lot of the same ideas, but in a less, um, I guess, um, uh, again, confrontational fashion. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's really that's a very insightful, Charles. Thank you. And before we're, I let I know you we're go, deep in the, I know yeah, we're, we're deep, deep in the weeds here, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's, no, it's, it's yeah. Me, me and Stephen are talking about this. Like we've been going back and forth all day about what do we, uh, what's going on, this update, that update. It just seems like a mess. Before I let you go, Charles. I mean, I know it's kind of hard to predict because all this chaos. But what do you think is going <laughs> to happen tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, the other thing is that. Um, again, the athletes council are in the spotlight mm-hmm. for the reasons mm-hmm. I said earlier, but each the prof- and the professional sector is widely perceived to be locked up for Carter. That said, um, I, I feel fairly confident that the MLS vote, which is about 15%, it will go for Carter. Right. Grant Walls reported that the NWSL vote will, uh, which is, uh, don't quote oh, me, but something? I think 4.8. Yeah. Something, yeah, like something there is going to go for Carter. I have no reason to, to, to argue with Grant's reporting there. Uh, USL is generally perceived to be, and they have about the same vote total as uh, as NWSL. They're perceived to be in the bag for for whoever MLS supports, but I don't necessarily know that that's the case. Um, and we already know that NASL, with I think 1.6 percent of the vote, um, are are behind Winalda. Right, um, right. So that's 20. You know, that said, everybody's talking about for the professional and the and the athletes council, but that the youth and, and adult sectors each have more than 25 percent of the vote. Again, the, the the conventional wisdom is that they're too they're bigger and they're more unruly and harder to, to build a block out of. Um, but if there is more, uh, and I heard stories that I, I didn't attend the youth council meeting today. I sat in on a little bit of the adult council. You know, those two organizations and their memberships are just live in very different worlds from the mm-hmm. pros and the athletes. And so, if there's enough um, frustration uh, with uh, the, the issues that people have with the federation, which are you know sort of highlighted by the the management style, the perception that the Federation has neglected some of its constituents and some of its member groups. If there's enough frustration and resentment there, um, I think you may see a, uh, some surprises in terms of where the rank and file of the youth mm. and adult uh, members go. So that's, that, that's the big uncertainty that nobody's really looking at, but I think it's quite possible that, uh, you know, that, that someone in that six, uh, the six change candidates could, could, could get a surprising numbers out of those two blocks. Oh, absolutely. 
Very interesting, Charles. We appreciate it. Well, tell the listeners where we can find your great content, your great updates, <laughs> and uh, all your great work for MLS Soccer 442. Let the listeners know. <laughs> yeah, and uh, this week, uh, most of what I'm doing is on uh, Pro Soccer USA, an exciting new project mm-hmm. uh, uh, Alicia Delgado is, is involved in. And then uh, I'm doing some work for SoccerWire.com as well. So check that out. And, and my, my Twitter handle is at D-B-O-E-H-M. And that's the easiest place to catch stuff if people want to see what I've been working on. There you go. Well, thanks again, Charles. And uh, get some rest tonight. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be wild. It's gonna be a wild one tomorrow. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, I, take... I think so. I think so. And uh, nobody sleep in. It's uh, the, it could go down as early as 10 a.m. Eastern. So there you go. Nobody sleep in. You hear it from Charles. Take care, Charles. <laughs> Thanks again. Good night, guys. Well, Armand. Woo! Crazy. I, I just can't believe this is going down tomorrow. It's, it's crazy. But listeners, up next, we got Sebastian Salazar from ESPN. Yep. Alrighty, listeners, joining us from SeaWorld, who's covering the whales. I don't know what he's doing with the whales, but it's Sebastian Salazar. You see him on ESPN, ESPN Deportes, ESPN2. How's it going, Sebastian? 
It's going great, guys. Uh, I am here just outside of SeaWorld uh, in Orlando. <laughs> and maybe before we get too far in this, I have to acknowledge something. You know, I was on, and this is a little bit of a humble brag, I guess, maybe. I was on SportsCenter this morning talking about the USSF presidential election. Like, did we ever think that would be a sentence that ever came out of anybody's mouth? Like, even 100 years from now? I- this is... You know, we we fight to get soccer on Sports Center all the time. So to think that this is one of the things that kind of breaks through the noise um, is 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 really amazing to me, man. I I I'm just amazed at, at kind of how this whole thing has unfolded. You know, Sebastian, I've been thinking that this if this were any other sport in America, this would be talked about 24 seven on Sports Center, on Fox, whatever sport network. This would be talked about because it's soccer. It seems to be getting buried. Well, yeah, and even if we don't want to compare maybe to other American sports, think about how this would be covered in another country where soccer was the foremost sport. I keep going back to my experiences over the summer covering the Gold Cup in both English and Spanish and how different the demand was for ESPN Deportes soccer content than kind of on the English side. Uh, And so if there was an overwhelming interest in soccer, if soccer was really the number one sport in this country, you're right. We would probably be doing hits on the hour every hour. One, because it's, you know, depending on who you talk to, that important. And two, because it's that interesting, man. All these oh, yeah. details, these backroom deals. Like, yeah. uh, I thought I would hate this process and I would hate covering it. And, and in some parts of it, I don't really like. But dang, some parts of it are kind of fun. We we can agree with that. We can agree with that, Sebastian. We got done. We we finished a podcast after three hours of work. All of a sudden, you see, boom! Potential coalition of six, and you're like, "What the hell?" We just well, a gang of six. A what gang a waste of, of time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you though, it it speaks to the to to how power is is kind of consolidated in these elections. You know, it's it's the first contested election since the late '90s. This is not mm-hmm. something we've really had in U.S. soccer before, and so um, for those of us that cover sports for a living, like, we're really kind of learning from the ground up here in a lot of ways, uh, you know, of how parliamentary procedures are done and and kind of learning the ins and outs, um, not just of how things get done, but also of how deals are struck and how power is consolidated uh, when you have so many candidates in an election, because I think, you know, the, the most important part of this is that there's eight people and that's a lot of static yeah. and a lot mm-hmm. of noise to cut through. And, and I think that's, from the outside, been the most difficult part. Um, because it's something I've said before, you know, one of the more frustrating things about this is that there's these two parallel elections going on. Mm-hmm. There's the election and the debates and the discussion that everybody's having on Twitter and when the candidates have gone on their you know, respective television appearances and interviews. You know, we've had a lot of them on ESPNFC. And then, mm-hmm. there's, then there's the actual conversations with voters. And I'll be honest with you guys. I'm walking around the hotel. The voters are not MLS fans. You know, they're mm. not U.S. men's national team or U.S. women's national team fans, even in a lot of ways. They're soccer, youth soccer, adult soccer lifers. Um, so when you talk about, when we talk about the things that we think really matter in the U.S. soccer ecosystem, you've got to remember there's a whole separate world mm-hmm. and that that world is actually who picks the president like i cannot walking around this hotel i cannot emphasize how clearly that was made to me i was like uh none of these people watch espnfc none of these people are interested in um soccer in, in as much as consumers 
as maybe they are as participants or, or as administrators. And I think it's really important to, to know that I think a lot of people are going to be on Twitter, and I said this on Sportsman this morning, going to be disappointed when tomorrow rolls around. But mm. it ain't a Twitter poll. Um, yeah, and, and, and everybody's got to remember that, they, you know, that's not who's voting. No, absolutely. And, I mean, after we heard that coalition of six, and then we heard it kind of fall Wait apart. Wait gang of six. Gang, gang of six. Gang of six. Gang of six. Gang of six. Well, then it kind of came became the group of five. And now I don't even know what to make. I don't even know what to make of it. Is there any news on potential deals to throw support towards someone towards another candidate? You know, it's it's um, it's really interesting, right? Because last night, I think it was Steve Goff, the Washington Post, that was the first to kind of break it. Hey, there's this group of six, um, effectively the non-establishment candidates, and I think their goals are are very obvious, right? It's pretty transparent. What's effectively happened here is there's establishment and there's not establishment. And what Carlos Cordero has very effectively done is he's kind of straddled the line, right? So he's been able to make inroads with many of the people who, who don't want to see a lot of change, the, the people who, the voters who are not really open to a non-establishment candidate. Mm-hmm. And yet he's been able to siphon off some of these change voters um, because he's been able to, I think, very effectively in the last week or so, um, paint himself as, you know, in spite of what his record says over the last 10 years and um, instead of his role recently as the vice president, um, he's been able to, to paint himself a little bit um, as a potential agent of change. And I think the, the people who really view themselves as the extreme agents of change want to say, hey, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Well, let's call spade a spade. And they want to categorize him as what they believe he is, which is an establishment candidate, status mm-hmm. quo. And so that's why you see this group of six, um, before they were consolidating necessarily to try and work together and pool their votes together, they were consolidating to release the statement, which they ended up still, to this moment, not having released, um, which was, hey, voters, if you really want change, you cannot vote for either of the two establishment candidates, that being Kathy Carter and Carlos Cordero. So really, in, in some ways, that gang of six was trying to make sure that everybody who had a vote knew that if they wanted change, of course they couldn't go Carter, but they also could not select Cordero, which then would, you would think, push some of those voters back into towards that gang of six where they might make choices. Uh, and I think, you know, all of those backroom deals and all that politics, I got to be honest, man, that's stuff that's, that's new to me. But what we've seen in the last 24 hours, or not even the full 24, right? Because since Steve Goff released that report, we haven't even gotten the official statement out. Is what you're seeing is that these six anti-establishment candidates, while they may align as anti-establishment, they don't really always align on everything else. Right. And you have people who have prioritized things that are so different. Even take the two big anti-establishment candidates. Eric Winalda's priorities seem to be promotion relegation mm-hmm. and the MLS calendar. Mm-hmm. Tom, Martino's, Tom Martino's priorities are expanding the umbrella of USSF, bringing more people into the game. And, and even if, if you want to say it, and I'll say it, I think Kyle is actually far more the populist candidate between the two, even though Eric gets labeled as that. Um, because Kyle is really talking about, some of his platform is about redistribution of wealth. I mean, you can't get any further left than that. <laughs> so um, he's talking about, hey, all the money comes in and it goes 
opposed to MLS, and we need to make sure that it, it, it doesn't just go to the top 1%, that it kind of filters its way to everybody else. So um, even the priorities for the anti-establishment candidates don't really line up. So this idea that they were just going to sit out in a room, hash it out, and then attack the establishment <laughs> is a little far-fetched. And the last 24 hours have shown us that getting those people on the same page is a lot harder than right. getting them in the same room. Right. Well, Sebastian, I want to ask you this last question because I know you're a busy man. Got to get back to those whales down there. <laughs> Why have we not seen these candidates get together before last night? I know there's been attempts, but it seems a little – I don't know. It, it seems a kind of dumb from their end thinking, oh, you know, let's just get here and then chat about it. Obviously, they weren't able to come to some sort of agreement. Well, I think when you get when you get to Orlando, right, or wherever mm-hmm. the election is, reality reality comes into play, mm-hmm. right? Because in, before you get to Orlando, when you're talking to people and you're talking to these state associations or people on the athlete council, whoever you're talking to, it's just you and them, and you can have a great conversation. And you say, "Hey, man, maybe I, I got that that person in my corner. Maybe I can count on that vote." And then when people get to Orlando. Reality starts to set in. They see all the people that they thought were in their corner walking around and talking to other people. Mm-hmm. And then as numbers and projections and calculations start to come out, mm-hmm. the reality for a lot of these gang of six is they're realizing, I don't have a shot. And yet they all are identifying themselves as agents of change. And so if they're really principled, and I think this is what it's coming down to, right? They're like, well, if the point is to get change, and I'm not going to be the one to do it, then what I have to do is work against the establishment. And I think until you're really faced with the reality that your campaign is not going to be a winning one, and you don't really know that until you get down here, because there's no, there's no public polling. Mm-hmm, you know, there's mm-hmm. only kind of the vibe you get as you leave a conversation with somebody. And all these folks, a lot of these anti-establishment candidates are, are quite charming, and I can see how they could leave a conversation and be like, well, I really made some inroads but to get here the reality is they're not going to have the numbers and if they do want to take down the establishment they're going to have to do it together but let's not forget all of these people got into this race with the intention of winning it and they put in a lot of hard work and so this idea that they're just going to kind of walk away from that hard work especially anybody that's saying hey it's going to happen before the first ballots are cast before the first round of voting i just think is is kind of missing how much work these folks have put into it. I think they're going to at least see it through on that first ballot. I think the point is, and, and this is this is critical, the, P, the non-establishment candidates think that there's a plan A for the establishment and that there's a plan B for the establishment, and there mm-hmm. may even be a plan C, because the establishment didn't become the establishment by being unorganized and not knowing what they're mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. So those folks say, okay, if they've got a plan A, B, and C, then we probably ought to at least have a plan B, right? If mm-hmm. I'm Kyle or Eric or Steve or Hope or any of these folks, um, and I get in there and say, okay, well, we went in the first ballot, and I've got 17%. Clearly, I'm never going to get to 50 But I still want to see change. Okay, how do we make that happen? And I think that they want to have now a plan B of, hey, if we get into a second round of voting on the floor, do we, as the non-establishment agents of change, as they've labeled themselves, do we have a plan B? Because if they don't have a plan B, forget it. Forget it. Once it gets to the second round, 
the establishment will have its plan B and it'll win. And it may win anyway. Mm -hmm. But I think what you're seeing now is everybody on the non-establishment side suddenly saying, hey, let's at least all have a plan B. Now, who's that going to be? How do you choose who the plan B candidate is, Mm -hmm. right? Is it the person at the end of the first round of voting that has the most votes? Sure. But if it's neck and neck and you got some some big egos and some people that have put a lot into this, right? are we so sure that somebody's going to say, well, you know, for the good of the movement, on principle, I'm going to give you all my 20%. That might be a lot to ship over to somebody off the first ballot. Somebody might want to stick around for a couple ballots. And in that process, the election may go to the establishment. So, um, you know, it's, it's a really fluid situation because I think a lot of the people on the non-establishment side um, are scrambling right now to, to, to figure out how they can really get how and if, even if they can get everybody mm. together and get their votes up above that 50%. Well, Sebastian, I wanted to thank you because that was absolutely fascinating. It's, it's the truth of the situation. This election has been juicy and fun to, to cover and also stressful at times. <laughs> and b- b- before, before we want to let you go, first off, plug where we can find all your stuff and, and your Twitter and all that good stuff. And then secondly, what the hell do you think is going to happen tomorrow? <laughs> what the hell do I think is going to happen? What the hell do I know? Uh, <laughs> so, I, I, you know, on Sports Center today, I said I would be really shocked if it wasn't one of the two establishment candidates. I right. think the momentum between the establishment candidates favors Kathy Carter right now. If I do the math, um, you know, she's got the MLS vote. She's got the NWSL vote. The USL, I don't think, has come out and said that they're going to vote for Carter, but... Um, I'll just put it this way. Some, some whispers I've heard suggest that they will. That gets her to 24%. The athlete council, um, in my conversations with them, I have found that there, there seem to be, um, how do I put this? Folks who are heavily leaning towards the establishment and probably won't be moved off that position. Mm-hmm. And there are some po- folks who I have said this before, I believe to be kind of fiercely independent thinkers. And they believe, some of them, I think, believe that the establishment has had its chance and there needs to be new leadership. So the idea that the athlete council, especially on the first ballot, will vote as a block doesn't really add up with what I'm hearing from different parts of the athlete Mm. council. So I think first round, you probably don't get to 50 percent. But I do think that eventually the athlete council or a majority of it will go to Carter that will get her up above 40, maybe as high as 44%. And then I think she's got the requisite 6 or 7% beyond that from state associations, the miscellaneous, um, the youth council, the adult council, um, to get over to 51. So I think Kathy Carter, uh, at some point tomorrow, probably not first ballot, will be the next president of U.S. soccer. There, well, there you go. Thanks again, sorry, Sebastian. Sorry, Twitter. Sorry, Twitter. I know that's not what everybody wanted to hear. But, uh, you yeah, know, that, that's true. I just report what I, what I, you know, what I hear. Exactly. Well, thanks again, and uh, I guess get some rest because Charles Bohm said that he went to bed at three in the morning, so I'm sure it's going to be a late night for you as well. Yeah, we're uh, we're having dinner right now, and then we're going to head right back over to the USSF hotel and just kind of creep around the lobby, see what we can <laughs> dig up. There you go. Follow him on Twitter, guys. Get some great updates. Thanks again, Sebastian. Thanks, Sebastian. All right. Thanks Thanks for having me, guys.
Alrighty, listeners. Our final guest is with us. It's Paula Point. How's it going, Paul? Gentlemen, how the heck are you? Double trouble live from Massachusetts. What's going on? <laughs> well, we're going to ask you what we've asked everybody who's been on the show. What the hell is going on? Well, I mean, you said the, the, the magic word, hell. Um, and, um, you know, here we are on the eve of it all. And um, all of us, uh, including myself, much to my dismay, is on the outside looking in. And uh, there's just a lot in question, isn't there? No, there, there really yeah. is. I mean, there's there's so much in question. <laughs> it's uh, it, there's there's just it's just a mess. It seems like I mean, what like not even around maybe less than twelve less than twenty four hours ago, we were talking about a potential uh, group of six or gang mm-hmm. of six uh, coming together, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, nope, that wasn't the case, and now we're hearing potential backroom. What is going on? What happened with that? Uh, from what you know, what happened with that gang of six? Well, you know, you know from, from the way I see it, and, you know, I'm, I've been very public about my support right. even mm-hmm. when I was running for the uh, candidacy with with Winalda, and we lined up on uh, on the same visions and scope of it all. And you know, here we are. I mean, there, there was an attempt, obviously, uh, on the uh, on the SEAL Team Six to go ahead and um, get together, but. <laughs> Once again, when you go back to the statements that I make about the blind ace of spades will, will, will be revealed, I mean, you get those six together, and, you know, the ones that have been preaching kind of the same vision and platforms all this time that we thought maybe were in line with each other probably are not. And um, from what I gather, uh, there was a couple that um, probably were not in line and um, disregarded those, those conversations, and uh, the group splits. And here we are again um, um, at this point. So, um, you know, my advice to Winalda was stay the course. Um, uh, you know, keep true to your intentions, and um, let's just battle forward. So what's the latest with the Winalda camp? Because he is, I guess, would say top four here as far as it comes to numbers-wise. Him and Martino are the two favorite from the non-establishment. What's the feeling right now with Winalda's mm-hmm. camp? Well, I, I mean, you know, we're talking with Eric um, hours ago. Um, the feeling is really good. And, um, you know, in regards to Martino, uh, which Kyle and I agree to disagree on some topics, um, you know, there was a little controversy when Martino first entered the race when the rescinding process was, uh, was allocated into the race. And, um, you know, um, these guys shake hands with each other, but not necessarily um, – uh, meet in the middle on a on a on a perfect scenario uh, mm-hmm. in agreement. So I can't tell you tonight if Martino and Winalda are on the same page or not. I know um, I know uh, talking with um, the solo campaign, and I know talking with Caligari's campaign. Um, I know they are, and um, who knows? Maybe maybe there's a a, a little bit of a trifecta being created um, um, at this point, but uh, that's yet to be determined. We'll see that maybe tomorrow, right? Yeah. Right, right. Do you, uh, do you, do you, will you, do you think we'll see a Martino Winalda potential coalition or do you think that's completely out of the picture? I mean, 
there's a possibility we could see it because you never know what can happen. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. and this is why this is why I believe this election systems uh, in this process thereof is broken and rid of conflict of interest. There should be no deals and there should be no backroom negotiations going on. If this right. election process um, was defined and implicated uh, and implemented uh, with a defined process that has an endpoint to it and nothing can... I mean, why do we have an AGM meeting around an election to begin with? And why do all these councils and committees co- collaborate at the same time when all this is going on? If we had a defined election system, uh, the voting process should take place and that should be the end point and be done with it. So it's a very uncomfortable situation to be in. This is my take on Winalda and, and Martino. Um, I don't agree with Kyle's um, vision. Um, and I don't believe Winalda does uh, to a certain extent. I mean, he, you know, Kyle still publicly um, announces that we should be in lockstep with Sunil. And that's concerning to the American soccer community because mm-hmm. um, because all of us don't want to be in lockstep with Sunil. I mean, just because we're bidding for a, a World Cup and he sits on the the the, uh, the chair of, of FIFA um, does not mean it's in the best interest of USA soccer. And and um, you know we we need to be concerned with that. But you never know what goes on behind closed doors, and that's the most upsetting part. In my mind, um, if I was still in this uh, election process. Um, there would be no closed doors and there would be no negotiating. Let the election happen, let it run pure, and let the result be the result. Are you, do you think we're going to see some sort of surprise tomorrow morning? How much How much more surprised can we be? Really, how much more surprised can the American soccer community be? We have lawsuits, we have individuals being called out, We've we've uh, twitted ourselves to the point where we can't tweet no more because we have no <laughs> beak left. Um, we are just at each other's throats from the grassroots to the boardrooms, and and I don't think we can be surprised by anything tomorrow. Um, will we be disappointed? Absolutely, and uh, the mm. disappointment will come if the status quo remains, but not. Not that the status quo, it's a general statement that I'm making, not that the status quo could remain, but why are they remaining? What is the interest level? Is, it, is this interest level about money and protecting billions of dollars that stretch beyond our borders? This is not just about American soccer within our borders. This is about sporting ministries and our relationships to the uh, in- International Olympic Committee, um, sporting accord. This this goes beyond our borders, and and whoever wins this election better be prepared to be able to deal with these these type of things um, once they're elected in. But we're not. We shouldn't be surprised at anything that's going to happen tomorrow. But we should be surprised on on the reason why um, at that point. And there's only two reasons why in my mind. One, if the status quo that I mentioned gets in. It's protecting the castle walls, the deep sandbox, and the monies thereof, and the, and the pipeline, the flow chart that it belongs to. Two, we have a miracle with Winalda to affect the real change that everybody's talking about. Those should be it. Yeah, wow. That, that I mean, that is a very powerful statement coming uh, coming from you, Paul. Especially when you talk about the the potential of 
uh, change when you talk about Eric Winalda. But do you think any other candidate outside of Winalda, which you stated, can bring a proper change to U.S. soccer? As a CEO of a company and an owner of companies, since I've been 26 years old, we have to look at this, even though the uh, United States Soccer Federation is nonprofit. Let me tell you something. It's a billion-dollar business. And do the other candidates have the complete resume to operate and represent USA soccer incomplete, the word itself, incomplete? Um, mm-hmm. I've known Eric Winalda for over 18 years. And we met in West Springfield, Massachusetts, 18 years ago when he was representing a turf company. And back then, we were talking about how the national team players get treated. Where does the money go? Um, conflict of interest. We were talking about these things 18 years ago. There's some candidates that are running in this campaign right now that were probably 14 to 16 years old back then. So um, not to say that, that um, age has anything to do with it, but some of these candidates don't have the resume and the business experience. They may have some uh, commentating experience and they might have some playing experience, but some of the best players don't make the best coaches or business people in the world. Some of the best commentators um, don't make the best business people um, and CEOs of companies in the best world. I know that the president of the USSF is not considered to be a CEO, but they certainly should be able to have the talent level to hire somebody who can protect the best interests in those levels. Winalda is that guy. He has got the best rounded resume to represent us as a nation within the sport of soccer and abroad. The other candidates in my mind do not have that broad. Um, they might have slices of it, a uh, law degree, PhD in, 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 in economics. Um, we might have Caligiri with the same playing experience that Winalda might have. Hope Solo as a player, Martino as a player. Um, and then you've got, um, I, th- I think I was the only candidate that probably owns their own business for such a long time that can understand um, the, the value of protecting a profit and loss statement, tearing one down and know what it's like to tear one down. Um, so you can deal with CEOs and board members and things like that within a corporation. When I left the campaign, I think Winalda has the complete resume to back it up. The other candidates in my mind do not. Paul, And I, and I mean that from a standpoint standpoint of complete resume paul is there do you see any because we talked to charles and well not of thinks because he has a certain percentage of the vote that the candidate should all support mm-hmm. him so he could come out but do you can that shift can we see one of these lawyers get the that coalition where behind them or even martino do you think Wilnado would give up the power and say okay uh, Martino, you go for it. I think the only candidate that can rally around candidates, um, first of all, a candidate has to have it in his or her heart to concede for the best interest of the American soccer right. community. Um, that has to take place first, and that'll prove the true intentions of why you're in this race to begin with. But they're going to hold on. They're going to hold on to the last minute and take away votes from a candidate that they really know is going to be far ahead of them in any voting procedure, um, then they should be doing the right thing. Uh, and that's conceding um, uh, at that point. Winalda is the only one that could probably look at the other candidates and say, listen, the majority of the um, 
uh, youth associations and the adult associations have nominated me. Um, so that's a fact. Number, number one, number two, out of the 114 delegates, number one, um, I think 43 of them only nominated, um, all the candidates divided by eight and nine at the time and 24 of those Galati had. So only 23 to 24 split eight candidates. That's not a big nomination, um, Mm -hmm. grid coming, coming forth with eight candidates. So there's still a lot of delegates that, that, that haven't even, that didn't even nominate somebody, never mind vote at this point. So having said that, I think Winalda holds the majority. And I think that should be used as pretty much a grid for the other candidates to say, you know what, we're at this point. What's my chances of really winning the presidency? And they really should look at um, supporting the candidate that lines up with their vision and move to that and move to that uh, move to that candidate. Um, it just makes sense. And it's the right thing to do if you're in this race for the American soccer community. If you're not, then you're in there for selfish reasons or possibly to gain a paycheck that you might not get because right now it's still a volunteer position, but yet to be voted on a paid position. Um, and that's a whole nother subject. All right, Paul, final question for you. What do you think happens yeah. tomorrow? I think, um, I think that, uh, Carter or Cadero will, will win. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think, uh, that's my gut feeling. Um, my faith in the American soccer community, um, as one voice, obviously, um, is pushing for a miracle that Winalda can beat the establishment based on the real reasons of why we need a new president. Um, my, my feeling is Carter is status quo. Cardero's a right-hand man. And they're in this to protect the castle walls and the deep sandbox that you and I will probably never have the opportunity to enter into or play in uh, within the sport of soccer in this country because it's all based on money. Um, And that's what got us in this mess to begin with, uh, with the previous uh, president. The concentration on money has been far higher than the development of the true sport that we all love. Well, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Let the listeners know where they can find you on Twitter because you're very you like to tweet quite a bit, don't you? Yeah, I'm a, you know people say that, but remember, I've only been a Twitter I've only been a, a, a Twitter guru since uh, since May <laughs> of um, of this of of 2017. I've only got 17,000 tweets in between that time. You know, when Alda's got me beat, I think he's like 30. I think he's like thirty six thousand, but he's been a member since two thousand and nine. So that's, <laughs> that's get that's getting that, that's getting kind of old. But I will say this: um, um, you know, the, the the tweets will will be less and less, and uh, there comes a time where uh, um, you know you have to back off for all the right reasons. And right. It's, it's been a fairly large fairly large part of my platform at this point from a communication standpoint. But um, it isn't something that. Um, you know, I die for uh, every day. Well, thanks again, Paul. Take Thank care. Thank you, Paul. Boys, I'm honored. Thank you. Humbled and honored, and uh, good luck tonight and tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. To everybody. You got it.
Do you like that, listeners? We got you a former candidate. We got you a guy from ESPN FC, and we got one of the best reporters in the game to yes. all come and give you a little preview before tomorrow's historic we got one, election. We got one who got no sleep, the other one who's whale watching, and the last one who is all over Twitter. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just plenty of, plenty, plenty of good stuff all around, but I'm going to cut the BS. Let's jump right into it. Fellas, start with you, Jake. Oh, yeah, Jake's back what? on the line, by the way. Yeah, we, Jake's I, back on the line. Hey. How about that? <laughs> but, uh, we, just, we decided to cut him no. out for half the show. <laughs> but let's cut the BS. Fellas, what do you make of what we just heard within those uh, three interviews? Sorry, Jake. Uh, I think what I learned uh, through those three uh, individuals is I think everybody – believes that it's going to be Carter or Cordero, but I I feel like by listening to those uh, 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 you know Salazar, uh, Charles, and uh, Paul, there it, it it doesn't really seem like anyone really knows what's going on though right now, does it? Doesn't no, it just yeah, feel no, like I they're kind of like like yeah, it's, no. it's, everything's clear as mud, but they all kind of and I don't know if this is because no one knows what's going on, but they all kind of come to that general consensus of. Well, it's going to be Carter or Cordero. There's even I, I was actually shocked to um, even hear Paula Point actually say it'll be I was shocked Carter too. or Cordero. I, I, I thought I, I was. I'm not. I, I'm I've not. I'm not. Sorry, guys. I think Paul's not that naive. I think he he gets it. I think yeah, Paul's it, a real guy. It, it's it's not one of those you know wave the flag and completely have their heads buried in the sand and absolutely have no idea what's going, you know, on outside of their little box or, you know, in, in the case of head sandbox. And sandbox, exactly. But to Sebastian, to Charles, to Paul, these guys, I just want to say a huge shout out to them. Follow them on Twitter, read their stuff, watch their stuff. Great guys, very now knowledgeable. We really appreciate it. But Jake, you make a, I, th- I think I, I, for some reason, there's still one more shoe to drop. This cannot be it. There has. To I agree, be- Stephen. I agree, hundred percent. There, there's one more domino waiting to fall, and we're gonna see it tomorrow morning. And I mean, I'm not sure, but I, I, I do think, I think, and this is from what we just heard from Paul. I think there's gonna and other sources. I think there's gonna be some sort of alliance or coalition. But, but not with all six of the anti-establishment. I think Ronaldo won't agree to one. But I think some uh, a couple of the others will team up with Martino and See, I push. Don't, I don't think that – I don't get that feeling. I think the Ronaldo camp um, – who's I think what's with Charles who said that. Now I'm, I'm mixing up who said it. But the Ronaldo camp, they think they have the advantage. From my sources, Martino Ronaldo having a little bit of some sort of bicker between each other. There's There's some distaste. Um, I, I think the communication well, doors. Two open. guys with big, e- two guys with egos, man. I mean, well, I mean, what are you going to expect? <laughs> no, but and, and, and don't. Go ahead. I mean, to, to kind of build off of this whole alliance thing, I, to me, I, I, I know everyone. I think, like, like you said, Stephen. I believe Charles said that when all feels like he's kind of the leading vote getter amongst the gang of six or whatever name we're calling them now, um, <laughs> and I, even if that's true, I, I. Don't foresee someone like Hope Solo saying, "Okay, after 
you know, I feel like him and him and Solo kind of went at it there a little bit uh, during this whole process. I just don't see how someone like her backs him. Um, and, and I, I, I don't really know too too much on how you know the the lawyers uh, Winograd and uh, Gans feel towards Winalda. To me, it it just feels like if any of these change candidates want to have any change on you know the u.s soccer going forward it ha- they, they have to back martino and i'm not saying i'm um, this isn't my endorsement of martino but i believe it was salazar who said he kind of appeals to most audiences um i was reading uh, an article at uh, 55.1 uh in which they were talking to the minnesota youth soccer association and the guy basically said uh, i can't really relate to Winalda. he kind of is he kind of talks down to you and I think that Salazar's comments were, per, like, you know, back that up. Is Armand. Martino just seems like a Jake? Yeah, yeah. What was the first comparison of Ronaldo on this show? Who was he to? It was Trump. Ronaldo is Trump. He is that weird force. And I said this last night on the episode. But but but, but when we talk about Trump, we're not talking like he's gonna like, build a wall. We're not, we're not, <laughs> we're not talking that. I think. No, I think yeah, but when you, when you compare Trump to Ronaldo, I think the is, the issue is that Trump is is such a bad connotation with it. I don't think Ronaldo is a Trump. Ronaldo is a lot more. Ronaldo in his field. No, no, but uh, well, this, yeah. Well, the thing is with Ronaldo and Trump, my comparison is he's an outside force, and he's the candidate that nobody thought has a chance. Nobody thinks he has a chance, and the establishment absolutely do not want him. That's what I'm getting at with the Trump that's comparison. That, that's a fair that's a fair comparison. To, yes. Just so our listeners, we're not like comparing. No, him. no, no, no. We're not comparing like, with yeah. any of his political choices. I'm not. I'm just comparing it when it comes to politics. What was Trump in 2016? He was the anti-establishment, and I, I think we've seen enough of the establishment where across society, at all aspects, the anti establishment has seen a huge rise and in some cases has won now the thing is this martino ronaldo they need to put their hands they one of both of them need to just clean off their hands and start chatting because if they really want to provide the change of u.s soccer this is their opportunity if not this is another four years of what we just had for the last 12 simple as that I mean, yeah, you you put it you put it in the right words, Stephen. Especially when you mentioned that. I mean, I still do think the candidate that is gonna come up out of the uh, anti-establishment, quote unquote, would be Martino for the reasons like Sebastian said. I think he is a much more likable guy, and I think Ronaldo's kind of burned some bridges in the process, and it's it, it's kind of it's kind of an issue. I mean, we do see Martino Ronaldo align on things, but if you remember. When we talk to Jeff and Paul, there are certain things that aren't that don't matter that they align on. If that makes any sense. You see the whole promotion and relegation stuff. Does that actually matter to the voters? And if you hear from what Sebastian Salazar told us, that not all these guys are really big MLS guys. Just that I don't think they care that much. Plain and simple. Jake, in terms of that, let me ask you, Jake, because we have already announced our winner. Who do you think is going to win? Quickly. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the dark horse. I'm gonna go Martino. I just have a weird feeling that it's not gonna go the way the establishment wants it to go. Really? And Armand, you still behind Cordero? 
I mean, the more I think about it, I mean, obviously, it's contingent on things changing. I mean, we do see the potential of a coalition and whatnot. But I do believe that Cordero has that mixture of a little bit of change because of the quote-unquote rebellion-esque thing that he did by announcing that he was going to run without Gulati's intentions and still being close to the status quo. He's like that perfect mixture. You know, when he makes a perfect drink, you're like, damn, that tastes good. I think that's what you, that's what you got to say Cordero is, man. He's the perfect mixture of status quo, but not really a little bit of change. And I think that I think that'll lead him to victory, to be honest, in the second round. I mean, I'll put it, second round. I think I said this in the beginning of the show. I think um, the, to go down the rabbit hole, I think Kathy Carter was a silkscreen for Cordero to take it. Kathy Carter was such a establishment figure that Cordero could just kind of just, I don't know, skip his way through the line. Low key. And then just, yeah, low key. And then here he is. Suddenly he's in second place. Some polls have him first, blah, blah, blah. The anti-establishment have no idea because they haven't thought this through. And then Kathy Carter can continue working at some and U.S. soccer get the guy they want in MLS. That's so, fair. Are you wearing your tinfoil hat there, Stephen? It sounds like a very uh, elaborate plan they got there. But, I mean, that, that makes sense, too, actually. I, I could see Carter almost as like a puppet candidate just to usher in And it's uh, nothing Cordero. against Carter. Is I just think that... She, she did not want to run originally. If you read the reports, she seemed rather reluctant to actually go through this process. Sunil Galati. I mean, this Dan process Harper, is hard, man. I, mean, I don't blame her. It sucks. So, but listeners, I hope you enjoyed it. A big shout out to Sebastian, Paul, and Charles. Go follow them on Twitter. Please do. A big shout Please. out to Ethan Jenks, uh, Devil's Advocate Podcast on the Badger Podcast Network. Please check out his show. He's been tweeting all night long uh he's been wonderful you did the mls live show with us a uh, big shout out ethan uh appreciate it and uh you can follow the show on unc sam soccer pod we're on all the major podcasting networks so you can listen that way armand especially on iheart radio iheart radio mm. youtube we're all over there jake in minnesota armand in dallas i'm here in wisconsin boys we're at the finish line. We'll see y'all tomorrow morning. I'll be <laughs> up bright and early getting ready for this, man. I've been waiting for this shit for a long time, so let's get this <laughs> let's get this on the road. <laughs> I'm just ready to not talk about this for at least a week. I'm oh ready for our shows not to be ruined. What, what are we gonna what are you guys gonna talk what are you guys gonna talk about uh in like two weeks when there's no election to Who complain cares? about? Honestly, or... <laughs> at this point, nothing anything but the election. Hopefully nothing major news breaks after we end this show. Anyway, please, listeners, please, please, take care. Please, God, please. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. 
Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever, because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.